Thanks for tuning in to the IGM podcast. We're so glad you've decided to explore God's word with us. We look forward to connecting with you in email at infointegritygm.com or online at our website, www.integritygm.com. We hope this podcast encourages you to grow in the knowledge of God through his word. Be blessed. Blessings to everyone today in the name of Yeshua, the Messiah, in the name of Jesus, the Christ. Today, we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and we're coming out of three chapters in which, uh, I'm sorry, two chapters in which they have been talking about an offering that the believers in the city of Corinth, the community of faith, had started collecting a year earlier, and Paul is encouraging them to finish it. In the tone of some of the things that are being said, it seems like Paul and the others have come under attack to some degree for this offering. So the last four chapters, chapters 10 through 13, you see the spiritual battle that is happening, that there is a battle for leadership, battle for the right to speak to the Corinthians, battle for truth, battle for this offering that needs to be collected, and it is a spiritual warfare that is taking place. In chapter 10, you're going to see this spiritual warfare. Today, I have Laura with me, my wife, and also have Alan in the studio. And all three of us are going to be looking at these 18 verses and going verse by verse and seeing what God is saying through Paul to the Corinthians. And once we understand what it meant, we understand what it means for us today. Let's read the first six verses. Alan, if you could read these verses. Sure. So 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. Now I, Paul, myself, urged you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I who am meek when face to face with you, but bold towards you when absent. I ask that when I am present, I need not be bold with the confidence with which I propose to be courageous against some who regard us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, and we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. In the first verse, Paul is referring to the meekness and gentleness of the Messiah. But then he makes a quote, not something that he really believes about himself, but he is actually quoting what some false teachers that are trying to take control of this church are saying about Paul. And this is what they say. I who am meek when face to face with you, but bold toward you when absent. What they're saying, he is strong when he's away from us and courageous and speaks strongly. But when he comes to us, he is soft, meek, and he is not as strong as when he's at a distance. They're mocking him in verse 1. Then he says in verse 2, I ask that when I am present, I need not to be bold with the confidence with which I propose to be courageous against some who regard us as if we walk according to the flesh. There's not anybody that's wanting to come to a church, especially one that you started yourself, and come with a strong attitude wanting to go to battle. The focus of Paul coming back 
in writing these letters or for the issues to be dealt with so that they are not in a confrontational situation when Paul comes. But if he needs to be bold, he will be bold. What is important about verse 2 is some. If you go back to the beginning of this letter, the majority stood with Paul, but there are still some within the church that are raising their voice up against Paul. So he is saying, we're ready to go to battle. We're ready to deal with it boldly if we have to when we come. But he wants to come in the meekness and the gentleness of Christ. Every one of us would want that same situation. We're not wanting to have confrontation, but Paul's not willing to walk away from it. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. So we live a physical life, we walk in the flesh, we battle spiritual things in the flesh, but our warfare is not according to the flesh. So let's talk about that. What do you think that Paul has in his mind as he is saying, we're already going to battle right now as we go through these verses? What are some of the things that you think not waging war in the flesh, but how do we do that in the spirit? I like talking about this now because I'm starting to see something where, you know, when he's talking about this war, especially in the in the first couple of verses, it is against maybe some people that are in the congregation, so believers. And it really puts into perspective me that, you know, even when your Christian brother or sister or somebody that you know in the body of Christ, maybe they offend you, maybe they're not doing something right, maybe something happens to you personally. And I think Paul had a lot of personal attacks, we can kind of infer from his writings, but he's saying, I'm, I'm not warring with you in the flesh. I'm not getting upset with you in the flesh because this battle is, is spiritual. It's, it's not flesh and blood. You know, so I think Paul is praying. He's fasting. He's seeking God's word, you know, through the old covenant to see how he can best handle this situation and asking for the Holy Spirit for guidance, but understanding that it's not a personal battle against one of these leaders that is going against him. And that's hard as just a human and on our flesh to, to separate that sometimes. Scott, if you offended me, it's very easy to hold a grudge and get mad at you and, and take it personal. But I think Paul's kind of saying it's not what to do. It's not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities right. and powers. He's not going to get up and start physically fighting. They're not going to bring a group of men and they're going to have a physical confrontation with them in the flesh. They are going to pray. They're going to seek God. They're going to look to God for answers. They're going to fast. And I do believe that there is an uneasiness within Paul that if you go through the first letter, the second letter, you look at what's going on. He probably did have some sleepless nights. He probably did have some time with the great concern for this church about which direction that is going to go. But he understands physically there's not anything that he can do. So we're going to pray. We're going to fast. We're going to stay in God's word. We're not going to step down from the authority that God has given us. We're going to walk in that authority as an apostle to this church that founded this church, and we're going to continue to speak truth into the believers in Corinth. Verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, that's what we're talking about, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. So they are coming not with their fist, but they're coming in the power of God, that if God is with us, if God is for us, who can be against us? And there are fortresses that are being built up spiritually around some of the people within the church, but we're ready to knock them down. We're ready to go to war spiritually 
and battle this from a spiritual understanding. We are destroying something that we're doing right now. Speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. That's the most important thing that Paul is saying here. It's not a battle between Paul and some men within this church that they need to go and have a physical battle. This is a battle for the knowledge of God and for obedience to Christ. Because he's going to go on to say, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So Paul is fighting for the knowledge of God. He's fighting for the truth of God. He's fighting for obedience to Christ. It's not about him against them. It's about obedience to Christ and the knowledge of God. And we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. When they see the truth, when this has been completed, when this is over with, they're going to have spiritual discipline against these men that are trying to mislead the people. Now, Laura, if you could read verses 7 through 11. You are looking at things as though outwardly. If anyone is confident in himself that he is Christ's, let him consider this again within himself, that just as he is Christ's, so also are we. For even if I boast somewhat further about our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up and not for destroying you, I will not be put to shame. For I do not wish to seem as if I would terrify you by my letters. For they say his letters are weighty and strong, but his personal presence is unimpressive and his speech contemptible. Let such a person consider this, that what we are in word by letters, when absent, such persons we are also indeed when present. If you go back to verse 7 and you look, you are looking at things as they are outwardly. What is being attacked outwardly from the flesh by the others, some of them against Paul? Look at verse 10. His letters are weighty and strong, but his personal presence is unimpressive. When you look at Paul physically and his speech contemptible, when you look at him from the outside, outwardly, probably the other men are more physically strong, stronger in stature, stronger in physical appearance. And you look at Paul, not much to talk about, not much to look at his physical appearance. You are looking at things as they are outwardly. But he brings them back to what is important. If anyone is confident in himself that he is Christ, that he belongs to Christ, let him consider this again within himself, that just as he's in Christ, so also are we. Just like you have a relationship with the Messiah, with God through the Messiah, so do we. For even if I boast somewhat further about our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up, Why did God give them authority to establish them? The foundation is Christ. Be careful of how you build upon that foundation, he says in the first letter. But it's for building up the body of the Messiah and not for destroying you. I will not be put to shame. His authority that God has given to them is to establish them on the right foundation and build them up in the things of Christ. Verse 9, for I do not wish to seem as if I would terrify you with my letters. My letters are not there to frighten you. 
For they say his letters are weighty and strong, but his personal presence is unimpressive. Not much to talk about about Paul. We don't really know what he looked like. Some people write within history that he was short, that he was not very impressive in his physical appearance. But this is what is being said here. Paul is saying, they're saying it's not very impressive, his physical appearance, and his speech contemptible. Let such a person consider this, the person that is saying this, that what we are in word by letters when absent, such persons we are also indeed when present. We're the same people that wrote the letter that when we're there personally, you'll find out this is the same individual. I do not want to come with a confrontation, but if I have to, I will. And you'll see that the same person that wrote the letter is the same person that's going to stand before you. Yes, Laura. It's interesting because we think in this social media generation that we're very shallow, but also looking back, it must be a problem throughout history that people can be so shallow. And I was thinking about a time when we started a church, how much you love a church, just like your own child, it feels that kind of a love that you have. And Paul, in all of his sincerity, is saying, my words also are followed by my deeds. You can trust me, but he's still having to fight. Yes, think back scripturally of all the examples that people looked on the outside. David was not even considered as a possibility of one that would be the next king over Israel. Think about the physical appearance of the Messiah in the suffering servant chapter of Isaiah 53. What does it say? Yeah, he was not comely, or his his appearance was not nothing to be desired or paraphrasing, but something like that. Not anything that would attract us to him. Paul apparently is not very impressive physically. So this is a human nature situation. It's not just for us today. People look on the outside, and if someone's not physically impressive, they kind of shun that individual and look to someone else. But Paul is saying, we're the same individual that wrote the first letter. When we come to you, we're the same individual. And if we have to be strong, we will be strong. Now let's read verses 12 through 18. But Alan, I think you had another comment. No, I was just going to say this sort of brings to mind in the scripture where it talks about God using the the silly things of the world, confound the wise. And we as human, you you look for someone that's attractive or a good orator. And I'm sure being in the city of Corinth, they had a lot of good speakers. And, you know, we've sort of you've talked about the background, about how there was a lot of philosophers and people would get out and speak in the public and, and sort of give these theories and ideas. And that's what you think in the natural, oh, God's going to use somebody like that that has a great speaking voice. And it also reminds me of uh, you know, Moses and Moses and Aaron, where Moses was like, I can't speak. And God's like, you can do it anyway, and you should do it. And it's it's almost sometimes he takes our what we think is weak and uses it because we don't need to be relying on our flesh. And Paul obviously is not relying on his flesh, but it seemed like he didn't have that option either because right. he wasn't that good at those things. Which, Right. He, he knows that this is a spiritual battle, and he's ready to go to battle. Let's read from verses 12 through 18, and let's finish this chapter. So starting at verse 12. For we are not bold to class or compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves, But when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are without understanding. But we will not boast beyond our measure, but within the measure of the sphere which God apportioned to us as a measure to reach even as far as you. 
for we are not overextending ourselves as if we did not reach to you. For we were the first to come even as far as you in the gospel of Christ, not boasting beyond our measure, that is, in other man's labors, but with the hope that as your faith grows, we will be within our sphere enlarged even more by you so as to preach the gospel even to the regions beyond you and not to boast in what has been accomplished in the sphere of another. But he who boasts is to boast in the Lord, for it is not he who commends himself that is approved, but he whom the Lord commends. As you look at verse 12, they, some of these men that want to be leaders, that he's actually going to call false apostles in the next few chapters, they are without understanding because they're commending themselves and comparing themselves to others probably in a physical sense. And again, they're saying that Paul is unimpressive physically. His physical presence is unimpressive. But they're bold, and they're commending themselves, and they measure themselves by others and make comparison. And this could be that they project themselves as much stronger, better leaders than Paul, and they say, look at his physical appearance, and uh, he's not impressive. They are without understanding. That's not how God looks at things. God looks at the heart. God looks at his calling upon a person's life. And God called Paul to go to Corinth, and he called him to be an apostle to the Gentiles. And what is the, the proof of that calling? It's the Corinthians. And over and over, you see this being emphasized by Paul. His ministry speaks about his calling, not a title, not because others look at him and give him that title, but his ministry speaks that he is an apostle. In the next chapter, he's going to have to defend his apostleship. But look what he says in verse 13. But we will not boast beyond our measure, but within the measure of the sphere which God apportioned to us as a measure to reach even as far as you of what God has done within the Corinthians. And that's not going to stop with the Corinthians. He wants it to go on to regions beyond them. For we are not overextending ourselves as if we did not reach to you. For we were the first to come, even as far as you in the gospel of Christ. It is very important that we understand that Paul laid the foundation of the gospel. The foundation is Christ in Corinth. He has the right to speak. And they, the fruit of that ministry, speaks of who he is. Let's continue. Verse 15. Not boasting beyond our measure, that is, in other men's labors, but with the hope that as your faith grows, we will be within our sphere enlarged even more by you. Paul never wanted to build upon another man's foundation. In fact, the next letter that we get to in chapter 15 of Romans, he's going to talk about, I aspired not to build upon another man's foundation. That's what it means to be an apostle. So he did not want to build upon other men's labors. He wanted his ministry and what God has called him to do. And an apostle is one that lays the foundation. And they speak of that apostleship, and he wants it to be enlarged by them. Let's read verse 16. So as to preach the gospel even to the regions beyond you, and not to boast in what has been accomplished 
in the sphere of another. But he who boasts is to boast in the Lord. Everything that they're doing should boast about what God has done in their lives, through their lives, and what God is doing right now within the Corinthians. For it is not he who commends himself that is approved. Who's commending himself here? The other the leaders, it seems like, are commending themselves against each other. And this just brings to mind to me always being careful not to compare your ministry to another person that's that's doing a certain work or ministry. You know, we in the West, we always talk about Billy Graham and what his ministry was like and probably millions of people that he led to Christ. But not everybody called for that specific thing, and God used him so you can... You can lose sight of that sometimes where, you know, Paul talks about this in his first letter to the Corinthians about each person having a part in the body, and if everyone is a nose, where would the taste be, etc. And I think this kind of hints to that too, that whatever someone else is doing in ministry, you have your part that God has called you to stay in that sphere. You can boast in that sphere because God's given you that ministry and that calling, but be careful not to compare it to someone else. You can't compare yourself to what God is doing or using another person. And think about this. The others are commending themselves based upon a physical appearance. What Paul is saying, we're going to battle spiritually. And what speaks of what God has done in our lives and what gives us authority is what God did in your lives, Corinthians. And if we're going to boast, and he quotes from Jeremiah He says, we're going to boast in the Lord because it is not he who commends himself that is approved, but he whom the Lord commends. And what is the commendation of Paul and the others, the Corinthians? This is what God has done. The ministry speaks for itself. And therefore, I'm going to boast in the Lord because this is what God has done. And God's going to back us up. And when we come to you, all of you that have attacked our physical appearance and you have said we're two different individuals, one individual when we write and we're different from when we come, we're going to go to battle and we're going to see who God is going to uphold here. They're going to a spiritual battle and the other men are commending themselves physically And God is going to bring clarity to the Corinthian church. I was thinking about how this is a little bit hard for maybe a Western mindset to understand. Because when many pastors that have started churches and then they maybe move on to another church and a new pastor comes in, sometimes they never even invite that founding pastor back. We're very individualistic. Now this man is in charge. And that former pastor doesn't really have a voice to speak so much into the church. But we've seen overseas where those who plant the church regularly go back and visit and encourage and help the new pastor to work out the difficult situations. And they're so respected because of their age and experience that they can really speak boldly into sin and difficulties within the church. Yes, think about the Western culture. We're not in an apostolic-type ministry. Someone starts a church, he's dealing normally in a city that has multiple churches, multiple denominations, different groups. Here in Birmingham, maybe 2,000 different churches in the metropolitan area. So it's not apostolic ministry. But if you were in North India and someone's going out and planting a church in a city or a town— Many times he's the only one, 
and the whole foundation of the gospel is being laid. He maybe continues to plant churches in different cities in that region. He continues to speak very authoritatively back to that church because he's earned the right to speak. He was the first to come. He was the first to lay the foundation of Christ. He can say to others, be careful of how you build upon this foundation. And if things come into that church that don't represent God, he will be speaking again to that church. And that's more of a Middle Eastern culture, a biblical culture, that those who lay the foundation continue to speak. Here in the West, we're dealing with planting churches where there's many churches, and we're dealing with believers, and it's not the same context. Believers coming from one church to another church, in the midst of that, people get saved. And you see the bond between the person that was a non-believer and that pastor, that shepherd, is a very strong bond because they are the ones that brought them to Christ. Now, think about a whole region Think about Corinth. There wasn't any believers at all, and Paul laid the foundation in Corinth. Praise the Lord. It is the Lord who commits. If we're going to boast, let's boast in the Lord. Alan, can you close us in prayer? Dear Lord, we just thank you for your word, God. We thank you for this letter to the Corinthians, Lord. I just pray, God, that it would go forth, Lord, that it would speak to your people, Lord, and just help us, God, to always remember, Lord, that you fight our battles, Lord, that we can fight our battles through you in the Spirit, and it's not against flesh and blood. And I just thank you, Lord, for your grace and your Son, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you'd like to learn more about IGM or have any questions about this podcast, feel free to reach out to us at info at and connect with us on Instagram at integrity underscore global and Facebook at Integrity Global Missions. If you like our podcast, please share it and leave a review. Thank you for listening. Have a blessed day.